Volume One, Chapter Seventeen of Autobiography of a Seaman by Thomas Cochrane. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Chapter Seventeen: Cruise of the Imperieuse continued. On the nineteenth of October, we again quitted Gibraltar for the eastward, having learned that the French frigates, which had succeeded in getting out of Toulon, were at anchor in St. Fiorenza Bay, in the island of Corsica. After leaving Gibraltar, we stood over towards the Spanish possessions on the Barbary coast, and finding everything right there, passed on to the Zaffarine Islands, inside of which we anchored for the purpose of painting and refitting the ship, which stood much in need of renovation. This being accomplished, we again sailed on the 29th, and on the 31st arrived in the harbour of Cartagena, where we found the Russian ambassador to Austria on his way to Trieste. No English man-of-war having been here since our former visit, we were received with great hospitality and attention by the authorities and inhabitants, who unanimously expressed their delight at being at peace with England, though, as a Spanish fleet lay dismantled in the harbour, it struck me they might aid England to better purpose by looking after the enemy. Even their convoys had to be protected by English ships, for whilst we lay at Cartagena, the Myrtle arrived from Tarragona, with twelve sail of transports, which she had convoyed thither with Spanish troops from Lisbon, and again returned for more. The Imperieuse left Cartagena on the 10th of November, and rounding Cape Palos, sailed between Majorca and the mainland, where on the 11th we captured a city. On the 12th we anchored off Barcelona, which place was still in possession of the French. The Cambrian was at anchor in the roads. At night we sent the boats of the Imperius to throw rockets into the fort, and at daylight on the following morning got under way, but perceiving two boats full of men in chase of some Spanish settees, we lowered ours and pulled for the boats, which on seeing our intention abandoned their prey and ran in under the forts for protection. On our arrival at Barcelona, the Cambrian went out for a run, leaving the Imperius to watch the enemy. On her return, we again took out boats and proceeded to blow up a fort close to the entrance of Lograbat River, and succeeded in so far shattering its foundations as to render it useless. On the 14th, the Imperieuse anchored near the mouth of this river for the purpose of watering, sending at the same time a boat to throw rockets into the barracks in order to divert the attention of the Barcelona garrison. Having completed watering on the 15th, we again got under sail and resumed our position before the town shortly after which we observed about two thousand of the french army march out and ascend the hills where they soon became engaged with a large body of spanish peasantry the ships followed keeping as far as practicable in shore but still at too great a distance to render any material assistance to their patriots who were at last forced from their position as soon as this action was over the batteries commenced firing shells at us in place of replying to this both ships opened a heavy fire on the portion of the town occupied by French troops, amongst whom, as we afterwards learned from the Spaniards, our shot told with great effect. Irritated by this unexpected movement, the whole of the batteries ashore began to ply us with shot and shell, the latter of which were thrown with excellent precision as regarded their direction, but fell either over or short of us, two only bursting near the Imperieuse, but without doing us any harm. The Cambrian, lying a little further out, escaped with similar impunity. With round shot, the batteries were, in our case, more lucky, one of these passing through the barge and galley, another striking the muzzle of a brass 32-pounder on the forecastle in such a way as to render it useless, 
though without injury to the men who were at the time working the guns the circumstances under which the destruction of this gun was effected are too curious to be passed over by an extraordinary coincidence the enemy's shot entered the muzzle at the moment our men were firing it so that the two shots met in the bore the consequence was that the gun was blown up nearly in the middle the exterior being forced into a globular form to our great annoyance for this gun was one of our most useful weapons on the seventeenth another action took place between the mountaineers and a french force on the hills the object of the patriots being to get possession of the heights where the french had established a battery but which on every side annoyed the cordon of irregular troops employed in intercepting provisions from which the spaniards could not dislodge them though they appeared to make their attacks with so much judgment and vigour as to compel the enemy to remain on the defensive in the present case the attack was unsuccessful the patriots being compelled to retire without accomplishing their object after this affair was concluded several spanish officers came on board the imperieuse and spoke confidently of being able to drive in the french advanced force as soon as general redding's force joined they informed me that the presence of the imperieuse and cambrian had been of great use by compelling the french to keep a considerable portion of their troops in the town and to employ others in manning the coast batteries so that few were available for operations elsewhere but beyond this we had no opportunity of assisting the patriots as the heights to which the enemy clung so tenaciously were beyond the reach of shot or shell from the ships on the nineteenth i received information of the french having invested rosas and knowing that lord collingwood attached considerable importance to this place i considered it my duty in accordance with his lordship's instructions to proceed in that direction hoping that the imperious might there render substantial service we therefore left the cambrian before barcelona and made sail for rosas where we arrived on the following day as it fell calm the ship was compelled to anchor ten miles from the fortress on our arrival a heavy cannonade was going on between the ships and a french battery thrown up on the cliff above port trinidad the imperious as has been said being out of range i took the gig and landed in the town to ascertain how we might best employ ourselves having satisfied myself on this point i sent back the gig with orders for the frigate to make every effort to get within range of the french troops surrounding the town so as to enfilade them as the calm continued she was however unable to approach till the following day i meanwhile remaining in rosas to encourage the spanish troops whose spirit was beginning to give way previous to our arrival the marines of the excellent together with some spanish troops had occupied the citadel many of these having been wounded the excellent took upwards of forty on board and sailed leaving the fame to watch the place and her commander withdrew some thirty marines who with sixty or seventy spaniards occupied fort trinidad the departure of the excellent in the first place and the withdrawal of the marines in the second greatly dispirited the spaniards who on the evening of the twenty first began to quit the town in boats a brief outline of what had occurred previous to my arrival in the imperieuse will here be requisite in order to comprehend the events which followed on the sixth of november a body of six thousand french or rather italians coming from figueras had taken possession of the town and the heights commanding the roads the inhabitants forthwith fled but the excellent and meteor then lying in the harbour speedily drove out the invaders on the assault of the town some of the inhabitants had fled to the citadel which was in a wretched condition one of its bastions having been blown down during the last war and such had been the negligence of the spanish military authorities that it had received no better repair than a few planks and loose stones whilst the stores were even in a more wretched condition than the works 
It was, however, necessary to put it as far as possible in a defensible condition, and to this Captain West of the Excellent energetically applied himself. To the eastward of the town, on an eminence commanding the harbour, stood Fort Trinidad, of which a description will presently be given. In this fortress, Captain West placed five and twenty of the Excellence Marines, in addition to the Spaniards who manned the fort, and at the same time sent fifty seamen into the citadel to support the garrison. The Spanish governor, O'Daly, now sent a request to the Junta of Girona for reinforcements, but the French, managing to intercept his dispatches, caused it to be reported to the Junta that the English had taken forcible possession of the fortress and deposed the governor, whereupon, in place of sending reinforcements, the Junta wrote to Captain West, demanding an explanation of conduct so extraordinary, and, till this explanation revealed the trick, it remained undiscovered. On the ninth, the citadel was attacked by General Rayleigh, and a breach effected, but Captain West, placing the meteor in a position to flank the breach, and sending some boats to enfilade the shore, prevented the assault, and dispatching more seamen to the citadel, the next day it was again in a tolerably defensive state, so much so that Captain West had sailed out with the seamen, and effected the rescue of a party of Catalonian militia. The French commander, thus foiled by the gallantry and judgment of Captain West, now deemed it necessary to proceed against Rosas by regular siege but first made an attempt to storm Fort Trinidad, in which he was repulsed with considerable loss. But the fort was so much in danger that, in order to prevent surprise, Captain West reinforced it with thirty additional marines, who entered by means of rope ladders. The French now, despite opposition from the ships, began to erect batteries on the heights for the demolition of Fort Trinidad, and threw up an entrenchment three hundred yards from the citadel for the purpose of breaching that also. A three-gun battery opened against the town walls, and the joint effect of these being occasionally directed against the ships compelled them to retire out of range. Captain West was now superseded by Captain Bennett of the Fame, and as a breach had nearly been effected in the lower bomb-proof of Fort Trinidad, Captain Bennett withdrew the Marines. At this juncture I arrived at Rosas in the Imperius, having indeed come there to render what assistance I could to the Spaniards, and knowing the endurance as well as the indomitable bravery of the Catalan or Michelet character. Footnote. A name given at this period to the irregular Catalonian troops, as well as to other Spaniards embodied with them. From one of their old leaders, Michelot de Prato, the companion of César Borgia, and the principal agent in many of his atrocities. In the old wars of Aragon, they were called Almogavares, and at the period which I write had lost little of their traditional daring, or their ready ingenuity in difficulties, which supplied the want of a more efficient warlike equipment footnote ends feeling moreover assured that the hunter of girona would supply early assistance i determined to replace the marines which captain bennett had withdrawn with others from my own frigate as it was generally known amongst vessels of the mediterranean station that i was acting under discretionary orders from lord collingwood captain bennett though he had withdrawn his own men and notwithstanding that he was my senior officer did not attempt to thwart my resolution probably because he considered that by so doing he might be interfering with the instructions given me by Lord Collingwood. On the 22nd, having given further instructions on board the Imperius for annoying the enemy during my absence, I again went on shore to the citadel, into which the French were incessantly throwing shells, but without much effect, for although every shell fell within the place, the shelter was excellent and no great damage was done. Having ascertained the position of the enemy's entrenchments, I returned on board and dispatched a party from the frigate to fire upon them at the distance of about six hundred yards, as well as to harass the batteries in course of construction. 
the work was so well performed by our men as to embarrass the troops in the batteries and thus lessen their fire on the citadel the preservation of which till further assistance should arrive was my principal object a battery of twenty-four pounders on the top of a cliff and therefore inaccessible to our fire kept up however an unremitting fire on fort trinidad every shot striking but the fort being bomb-proof without injury to the little garrison which like that of the citadel was well sheltered but had no means of returning the fire except occasionally by musketry after pounding away at the fort for several days the french made up their minds to storm but on coming within range of musket shot they got such a reception from the garrison as to render a hasty retreat imperative as their discomfiture was visible from the ship we fired a salute of twenty-one guns by way of sarcastic compliment but the enemy had not the politeness to return the courtesy the imperious now got under way and cleared for action taking up a position to the left of the citadel and within musket shot of the french lines into which we poured such a storm of shot as to drive out the enemy satisfied with success i went on shore at rosas and got seven hundred spaniards to embark into the boats afterwards putting them on board a light vessel with the intention of landing them at the back of fort trinidad so as to dislodge the troops from the battery on the cliff and throw the guns over the movement was however detected by the french commander and a force which had just been engaged at a distance was hastily recalled and rushed on driving the spaniards and some germans before them manning the batteries the french instantly turned their attention to the imperieuse against which they directed such a well-aimed shower of shells as rendered it imperative to get under sail and anchor out of range the firing between the batteries and the citadel was kept up during the night without intermission and at daylight the spaniards we had landed for the attack on the cliff battery appeared in such confusion that it became necessary to dispatch the boats to bring off a party of marines who had been put on shore with them our men reported that the spaniards had unaccountably refused to follow them to the attack and as is usual in such cases had suffered far more severely than they would have done had they persevered in the attempt to capture the battery on sending boats to bring off the spaniards we only got three hundred out of the seven hundred the remainder being either killed or made prisoners on the twenty third we again ran in under fort trinidad but this time on the opposite side to the battery on the cliff where we could effect considerable mischief without receiving much in return it now fell dead calm so that it was lucky we had not taken up our former position where we might have been terribly annoyed the french without paying much attention to us now appeared to redouble their efforts against both castle and citadel whilst their troops mustered strongly on the hills with the evident intention of an attack on both the moment a breach became practicable finding this to be the case the fame withdrew her marines from fort trinidad upon which i went ashore and after careful inspection of the breach in course of formation considering it still capable of prolonged defence begged the commandant to hold out till next day when he should be reinforced with marines from the imperieuse promising at the same time to remain myself in the fortress with the men with some difficulty he was induced to consent to this arrangement after telling me that it had been his intention to capitulate on the same evening nor was the spanish governor at all to blame for his intention to surrender the fortress captain bennett had withdrawn his men thinking no doubt that it was untenable and that therefore nothing was to be gained by their exposure so that the spanish governor might fairly plead that further resistance had been deemed unavailing by the english themselves lord collingwood had however entrusted me with discretionary orders to assist the spaniards and it appeared to me that at the present was an instance where those orders might be carried into effect for i had no doubt if assistance arrived promptly that the french would be compelled to raise the siege of rosas as they had done that of girona 
in which case they would find themselves isolated at barcelona and being cut off as they already were by land and exposed to bombardment by sea must surrender the occupation of catalonia in short turned on two points first whether the junta of girona supplied an adequate reinforcement and secondly whether i could hold fort trinidad till it arrived neither do i blame captain bennett for withholding his men it was simply matter of opinion his being that neither fort nor citadel would long hold out mine formed on actual inspection of the fort that it was still in a condition to maintain itself and being so that its retention was essential for the preservation of the town and citadel and had there been a little more alacrity on the part of the girona junta in supplying reinforcements that opinion would have been justified captain bennett perhaps knew the dilatory habits of the spaniards better than i did but although my senior officer he was disinterested enough not in any way to interfere with my plans before daylight on the twenty fourth we landed fifty men ordering all the marines to follow after sunset our first object was to effect such repairs as would put the fort in a better state of defence and this was accomplished without any great difficulty as the french were confining their attention to one particular spot where by a constant succession of quick firing they hoped to make a practicable breach this we could not prevent having no artillery to reply to theirs my principal ground for a belief in the practicability of holding the fort arose from the peculiar form and thickness of the walls to penetrate which was no easy matter if resolutely defended even if eventually successful it would not be difficult to evacuate the fort by the lower portion before the enemy could establish themselves in the upper whilst a well-constructed mine would involve both of them and the castle in one common ruin the castle of trinidad stood on the side of a hill having by no means a difficult descent to the sea but this hill was again commanded by a higher and more precipitous cliff which would have enabled an enemy to drive out the occupants with ease but for the peculiar construction of the fortress next to the sea was a fort constructed with strong walls some fifty feet high behind this and joined to it rose another fort to the height of thirty or forty feet more and behind this again was a tower rising some twenty or thirty feet still higher the whole presenting the appearance of a large church with a tower a hundred and ten feet high a nave ninety feet high and a chancel fifty feet the tower having its back to the cliff as a matter of course sheltered the middle and lower portions of the fortress from a fire of the battery above it nothing in short for a fortress commanded by adjacent heights could have been better adapted for holding out against defensive operations or worse adapted for replying to them this on our part being out of the question as the french battery was too much elevated on the cliff for artillery to reach whilst the tower which prevented their shot from annoying us would also have prevented our firing at them even had we possessed artillery it was to this tower therefore that the french chiefly directed their attention as a practicable breach therein followed by a successful assault would in their estimation place the fortress at their mercy so that we must either be driven out or forced to surrender in consequence of the elevated position of the enemy's battery on the cliff they could however only breach the central portion of the tower the lowest part of the breach being nearly sixty feet above its base so that when practicable it could only be reached by long scaling ladders a pretty correct idea of our relative positions may be formed if the unnautical reader will imagine our small force to be placed in the nave of westminster abbey with the enemy attacking the great western tower from the summit of a cliff a hundred feet higher than the tower so that the breach in course of formation nearly corresponded to the great west window of the abbey 
it will hence be clear that in the face of a determined opposition it would be no easy matter to scale the external wall of the tower up to the great west window and more difficult still to overcome impediments presently to be mentioned so as to get down into the body of the church these were the points i had to provide against for we could neither prevent the french from breaching nor storming it so happened that just at the spot where the breach was in process of formation there was a lofty bomb-proof interior arch upwards of fifty feet in height this arch reaching from the lower part of the breach to the interior base of the tower was without much difficulty converted into an obstacle of which the french little dreamed viz into a chasm down which they must have plunged headlong had they attempted to penetrate an inch beyond the outer wall even had they gained it the only operation necessary was to break in the crown of the arch so that all who on an assault ventured on penetrating farther than the outer wall of the breach must of necessity be held to the bottom but as the fall of a portion of the enemy might not deter the rest from holding possession of the outer wall till they were provided with the means of overcoming the obstacle i got together all the timber at hand and constructed a large wooden case exactly resembling the hopper of a mill the upper part being kept well greased with cook slush from the imperieuse so that to retain a hold upon it was impossible down this with the slightest pressure from behind the storming party must have fallen to a depth of fifty feet and all they could have done if not killed would have been to remain prisoners at the bottom of the bomb-proof the man-trap being thus completed and to do the spaniards justice they entered with ardour into the work the next object was to prepare trains for the explosion of the magazines in case evacuation of the fort became compulsory this was done in two places the first deposit of powder being placed underneath the breach with the port-fire so arranged as to go off in about ten minutes the other beneath the remaining part of the fortress with a port-fire calculated to burn until we ourselves were safe on board the frigate the french were highly exasperated on finding that the castle had been reinforced from the imperieuse of which ship they had by this time not a few unpleasant reminiscences they therefore adopted additional measures to put a stop to our cooperation. in addition to the previously mentioned battery another was erected on the cliff commanding the fortress and on the twenty fifth upwards of three hundred shots were directed at the tower the result being a hole which speedily widened into a tolerable breach our men were now engaged in blocking it up as fast as it was made and working as they did under cover no loss was sustained though every shot brought down large masses of stone within the fortress the french thus supplying us with materials for repair though rendering a sharp lookout against splinters necessary on this day i received a wound which caused me intolerable agony being anxious during an ominous pause to see what the enemy were about i incautiously looked round an angle of the tower towards the battery overhead and was struck by a stone splinter in the face the splinter flattening my nose and then penetrating my mouth by the skill of our excellent doctor mr guthrie my nose was after a time rendered serviceable whilst the enemy were breaching the tower the boats of the imperieuse inflicted on them such severe chastisement that detachments of infantry were stationed on the hills to drive off the boats with musketry but our people managed to keep out of harm's way whilst directing a destructive fire upon the nearer portion of our opponents on the twenty sixth the french renewed their fire but as during the previous night we had filled up the breach with loose rubble their progress was by no means rapid the rubble forming almost as great an obstacle as did the wall itself it was however evident that the breach must sooner or later become practicable 
so that we turned our attention to the erection of interior barricades in case of a sudden attempt to storm in addition to these barricades festoons of top chains were brought from the ship and suspended over the hopper and elsewhere the chains being moreover armed with large fish hooks so securely fastened that there was little danger of those who were caught getting away before they were shot the barricades constituted what may be termed a rampart within the breach constructed of palisades barrels bags of earth etc these supplying the place of walls whilst the descent from the crown of the bomb-proof to the bottom constituted a formidable substitute for a ditch we got to-day a trifling though welcome reinforcement of sixty regular spanish or rather irish troops in spanish service and sent an equal number of peasants to rosas for though these men were brave as are all catalans and ready enough yet their want of military skill rendered them ill-adapted to the work in hand as soon as the irish comprehended our means of defence and the reception prepared for the enemy their delight at the prospective mischief was highly characteristic and could not have been exceeded had they been preparing for a scrimmage in their native country at midnight the french made a general assault on the town of rosas and after several hours hard fighting obtained possession the imperious and fame now approached and commenced a fire which must have caused great loss to the besiegers but which failed to dispossess them towards morning when too late a detachment of two thousand spanish troops arrived from girona six hours earlier would have saved the town the preservation of which was the only object in retaining the fortress the practice of the french when breaching the walls of rosas was beautiful so skilfully was their artillery conducted that to use a schoolboy similitude every discharge ruled a straight line along the lower part of the walls this being repeated till the upper portion was without support as a matter of course the whole fell in the ditch forming a breach of easy ascent this operation constituted an object of great interest to us in the fortress from which the whole proceedings were clearly visible having secured the town the french redoubled their efforts against the castle and had they continued with the same vigour we must have been driven out two of our marines were killed by shot as was a third by a stone splinter so that with all my desire to hold out i began to doubt the propriety of sacrificing men to the preservation of a place which could not be long tenable the french being also heartily tired of the loss they were sustaining from the fire of the ships and boats sent us a flag of truce with the offer of honourable capitulation this being declined on our part the firing recommenced more heavily than before on the twenty eighth the fire of the enemy slackened their troops being engaged in throwing up entrenchments and constructing batteries in the town a second detachment of spanish troops being on its way now that the place had fallen soon after midday they sent a small party with another flag of truce as it was however evident that their object was this time to spy out the state of our defences we threw some hand grenades towards them to show that we would not hold any parley on which they retired and the firing was again renewed on the twenty ninth the french opened upon the castle from five different batteries on the hills but without damage to life as our men were now kept close the ships and bombs however directed upon them a destructive fire with shot and shell which considerably dampened their ardour to-day all access to the citadel was cut off the french having succeeded in erecting batteries on both sides of the sea-gates so that all communication with the boats was rendered impossible the dawn of the thirtieth might have been our last but for the imposition of what some persons may call presentiment 
long before daylight i was awoke with an impression that the enemy were in possession of the castle though the stillness which prevailed showed this to be a delusion still i could not recompose myself to sleep and after lying for some time tossing about i left my couch and hastily went to the esplanade of the fortress all was perfectly still and i felt half ashamed of having given way to such fancies a loaded mortar however stood before me pointed during the day in such a direction that the shell should fall on the path over the hill which the french must necessarily take whenever they might make an attempt to storm without other object than that of diverting my mind from the unpleasant feeling which had taken possession of it i fired the mortar before the echo had died away a volley of musketry from the advancing column of the enemy showed that the shell had fallen amongst them just as they were on the point of storming rushing on their bullets pattered like hail on the walls of the fort to man these was the work of a moment for as may be supposed our fellows did not wait for another summons and the first things barely discernible amidst the darkness were the french scaling ladders ready to be placed at the foot of the breach with an attendant body of troops waiting to ascend but hesitating as though the unexpected shell from our mortar rendered them uncertain as to our preparations for defence to the purposeless discharge of that piece of ordnance we owed our safety for otherwise they would have been upon us before we even suspected their presence and so exasperated were they at our obstinate defence that very little attention would have been paid to any demand for quarter the french deserved great credit for a silence in their movements which had not even attracted the attention of the sentries on the tower whilst the enemy were hesitating we became better prepared our men being ready at every point which commanded the breach it was not in the nature of the french to slink off on being detected in a few minutes on they came up the ladders to the certainty of getting either into the man-trap or of being hurled from the walls as fast as they came up retreat being for a short time impossible on account of the pressure from behind there was now just light enough for them to see the chasm before them and the wall was crowded with hesitating men about forty had gained the summit of the breach all of whom were swept off with our fire whilst a crowd was waiting below for the chance of sharing the same fate giving them no time for deliberation several shells which had been suspended by ropes halfway down the wall were ignited our hand grenades were got to work and these together with the musketry told fearfully on the mass which wavered for a few moments and then retreated amidst the loud huzzas of our fellows the french however gallantly carried off their wounded though they were compelled to leave the dead who till the following morning lay in a heap close to the foot of the tower scarcely had we got rid of our assailants when a numerous body of troops came down from the hills with muskets firing and drums beating nothing doubting that their comrades were in possession of the fortress our lads having their hands now free returned their fire with excellent effect dropping some at every discharge when at length finding that the assault had failed and that we were able to offer effectual resistance the detachment retreated up the hills as fast as they could amidst the derisive cheering of our men the force which formed the storming party consisted as we afterwards learned from our prisoners of one company of grenadiers two of carabineers and four of voltigeurs of the first light regiment of italy in all about one thousand two hundred men they were gallantly led two of the officers attracting my especial attention the first was dropped by a shot which precipitated him from the walls but whether he was killed or only wounded i do not know probably wounded only as his body was not seen by us amongst the dead 
the other was the last man to quit the walls and before he could do so i had covered him with my musket finding escape impossible he stood like a hero to receive the bullet without condescending to lower his sword in token of surrender i never saw a braver or prouder man lowering my musket i paid him the compliment of remarking that so fine a fellow was not born to be shot down like a dog and that so far as i was concerned he was at liberty to make the best of his way down the ladder upon which intimation he bowed as politely as though on parade and retired just as leisurely in this affair we had only three men killed one of the marines and two spaniards another spaniard being shot through the thigh and the spanish governor of the fortress through the hand there were however a few minor casualties the total loss of the enemy judging from the dead left behind upwards of fifty must have been severe my determination not to quit the fortress was therefore increased as there was every reason to be satisfied with the efficacy of my hopper trap and fish chains in short it was impossible for any one to get over the one or through the other not a frenchman had advanced beyond the outer wall after this the enemy did not molest us much except with musketry which did no damage as our men were well under cover they however turned their attentions to the citadel the spanish garrison replying smartly to their fire the spaniards with us in the castle likewise behaved with great gallantry as did the soldiers of the irish brigades in the spanish service by whom the peasants before mentioned had been supplanted had the latter remained the repulse of our assailants might have been more difficult though equally certain on the first of december we passed a tolerably quiet day the french being engaged in erecting a new battery to annoy our boats when coming on shore with which they appeared to content themselves the second passed over in the same quiet way on the third the troops in the citadel made a sortie apparently in the hope of dislodging the french from their entrenchments and an obstinate engagement ensued with considerable loss on both sides by the time this was over our friends on the hill had nearly completed another new battery and were trying its effect on us somewhat unpleasantly every shot knocking down great quantities of stone a still more unpleasant circumstance was that a heavy gale of wind had arisen before which the imperieuse was visibly dragging her anchors and might be compelled to go to sea leaving us to defend ourselves till her return on the fourth the french opened all their batteries on the citadel eleven of their guns being brought to bear upon the old breach elsewhere mentioned as never having been properly repaired at this point an immense number of shot and shell were directed and towards night a breach was nearly practicable this operation against the citadel seeming decisive the new battery on the hill began upon us in the castle with redoubled vengeance and every shot told the effect the object no doubt being to storm both fortresses simultaneously on the following day an unfortunate accident occurred in the castle to-day five of our men were loading a gun intended for employment against a body of french troops who were throwing up an entrenchment below us with the evident object of cutting us off from retreat or communication with the frigate by some mischance the gun exploded blowing off the arms of a marine who died soon after and knocking a seaman over the castle wall a depth of fifty feet the poor fellow was taken up by the boat's crew and carried on board in a dreadfully shattered condition at daylight on the fifth the french again opened their batteries on the citadel and by eight a m the breach was quite practicable a large body of troops had assembled for the assault but the firing suddenly ceased on both sides and from the number of men lounging about the breach it was clear that a capitulation was in progress under these circumstances it became my duty not to sacrifice our marines and seamen to the mere excitement of fighting a whole army which could now pass undivided attention we therefore began to think of taking our departure 
and getting our baggage collected we made signals to the imperieuse for all boats to be in readiness to take us off if the garrison in the citadel should capitulate the battery however continued firing upon us as usual and with decisive effect on the tower without taking any notice of this we laid trains ready for blowing up the fort soon after our signals were made the fame and magnificent the latter of which had recently come into the anchorage got under way and beat towards the landing-place our signals having been also understood by the french the batteries overhead ceased firing and a number of troops approached to take possession at eleven a m we made the signal for the boats the imperieuse attending them close in shore we now commenced evacuating the fortress sending down the troops of the bourbon regiment first the irish brigade next and our marines and seamen last on the boats pulling in the ships opened fire with shot and shell upon the french we did not however receive any molestation from the latter whilst our men went down the rope ladders out of the fort and by one o'clock all were out of the castle except the gunner and myself we having remained to light the port fires attached to the trains after this we got into the boats also unopposed but the moment they pulled off from the shore the french opened upon us with musketry and round shot fortunately without injury to any one a stiff breeze now blowing enabled the imperieuse to get close in so that we were soon on board the french having become practically acquainted with some of our devices were on their guard and did not take possession of the castle immediately on our quitting it and it was lucky for them that they did not for shortly after we got on board the first explosion took place blowing up the portion of the fortress which they had been breaching but the second train failed owing no doubt to the first shock disarranging the port fire had this not been the case scarcely one stone of the castle would have remained on another in the evening i directed the imperieuse to get under way and stand towards la scala where we landed the spanish troops on the following morning the fame parted company followed collingwood's fleet and leaving the magnificent at anchor with the bombs we stood towards st felin having the mortification of seeing the french flag flying over what remained of the castle of trinidad which we had so pertinaciously endeavoured to defend and failing in this should have wholly destroyed but for the accident of the second port fire becoming out of order in the defence of this fortress we lost only three killed and seven wounded the loss of the spaniards amounting to two killed and five wounded next to the thorough accomplishment of the work in hand my care was for the lives of the men indeed it is a matter of congratulation to me that no commander having gone through such service ever had fewer men killed lord st vincent on a former occasion gave this as a reason for not promoting any of my officers but even a rebuff so unworthy failed to induce me to depart from my system of taking care of the men the death of one of whom would have affected me more than the death of a hundred enemies because it would in my estimation have been attributable to my own want of foresight the destruction of the french must have been very great we who were cooped up in the fortress had only one collision with them but in that they suffered fearfully whilst we escaped scot free but the fire of the ships must have told upon them to a great extent the subjoined letters from lord collingwood to the secretary of the admiralty constitute the only commendation i received for the services detailed in the preceding chapters extract of a letter from vice-admiral lord collingwood to the honourable w w pole dated on board the ocean december the fourteenth eighteen o eight 
my letter of the first instant would inform you of the enemy having laid siege to the castle of rosas and of the measures taken by the british ships in that bay in aid of the spaniards for its defence the scout joined the squadron off toulon on the seventh and by her i received further accounts from captain bennett of the fame of the progress the enemy was making against that important fortress captain lord cochrane has maintained himself in possession of trinity castle with great ability and heroism although the fort is laid open by the breach in its works he has sustained and repelled several assaults having formed a sort of rampart within the breach with his ships hammock cloths awnings etc filled with sand and rubbish the zeal and energy with which he has maintained that fortress excites the highest admiration his resources for every extingency have no end the spanish governor of the castle is wounded and on board the meteor collingwood reader's note letter ends this expression of opinion on the part of lord collingwood should have procured me some commendation from the naval authorities at home the more so as it was spontaneous on his lordship's part no official dispatch from me on the subject having at the time reached him i was however a black sheep at the admiralty and had it been my good fortune to have been instrumental in raising the siege of rosas the only care taken by the tory government at home would in all probability have been how to conceal a knowledge of that fact from the public after the evacuation and destruction of the fortress i addressed to lord collingwood the subjoined dispatch reader's note letter begins his majesty's ship imperieuse bay of rosas fifth of december eighteen o eight my lord the fortress of rosas being attacked by an army of italians in the service of france in pursuance of discretionary orders which your lordship gave me to assist the spaniards whenever it could be done with most effect i hastened here the citadel on the twenty-second instant was already half invested and the enemy was making his approaches towards the south-west bastion which your lordship knows was blown down last war by the explosion of a magazine and tumbled into the ditch a few thin planks and dry stones had been put up by the spanish engineers perhaps to hide the defect all things were in a most deplorable state without and within even measures for their powder and saws for their fuses were not to be had and mats and axes supplied their place the castle of trinity situated on an eminence but commanded by heights was also invested three twenty-four pounders battered in breach to which a fourth was afterwards added and a passage through the wall to the lower bomb-proof being nearly effected on the twenty-third the marines of the fame were withdrawn i went to examine the state of the castle and as the senior officer in the bay had not officially altered the orders i received from your lordship i thought this a good opportunity by occupying the post on which the acknowledged safety of the citadel depended to render them an effectual service the remaining garrison consisted of about eighty spaniards who were on the point of surrendering accordingly i threw myself into the fort with fifty seamen and thirty marines of the imperieuse the arrangements i made need not be detailed to your lordship suffice it to say that about a thousand bags made of old sails besides barrels and palisades supplied the place of walls and ditches and that the enemy who assaulted the castle on the thirtieth with full one thousand picked men were repulsed with the loss of their commanding officer storming equipage and all who had attempted to mount the breach the spanish garrison having been changed gave good assistance as to the officers seamen and marines of this ship the fatigues they underwent and the gallant manner in which they behaved deserve every praise i must however particularly mention lieutenant johnson of the navy lieutenant hoare of the marines mr burney the gunner mr ludowick the carpenter and messrs stewart sloven and marriott midshipmen 
Captain Hall of the Lucifer at all times and in every way gave his zealous assistance. I feel also indebted to Captain Collins of the Meteor for his aid. The Citadel of Rosas capitulated at twelve o'clock this day. Seeing my lord further resistance in the castle of Trinity useless and impracticable against the whole army, the attention of which had been naturally turned to its reduction, after firing the trains for exploding the magazines, we embarked in the boats of the magnificent Imperieuse and Fame. I have the honour to be, etc., signed Cochrane. The Right Honourable Lord Collingwood. Reader's note, that letter ends, a new letter begins. Lord Collingwood's Letter to the Admiralty. His Majesty's Ship Ocean, January the 7th, 1809. Sir, the Imperius having with other ships been employed in the Bay of Rosas to assist the Spaniards in defending that fortress, and Captain Lord Cochrane having taken on himself the defence of Trinity Castle, an outwork of that garrison, I have received from him a letter, dated the 5th of December, a copy of which is enclosed, stating the surrender of Rosas by the Spaniards on that day, and of his having embarked at the garrison of Trinity Castle on board his ship from the castle destroyed. The heroic spirit and ability which have been evinced by Lord Cochrane in defending this castle, although so shattered in its works, against the repeated attacks of the enemy is an admirable instance of his lordship's zeal, and the distinguished conduct of Lieutenants Johnson and Hoare of the Royal Marines, and the officers and men employed in this affair under his lordship will, doubtless, be very gratifying to my lord's commissioners of the Admiralty. Signed, etc. Collingwood. To the Secretary of the Admiralty. Reader's note, letter ends. To these dispatches I may be pardoned for appending the following extract from the Girona Gazette, as it appeared in the Naval Chronicle of 1809. Reader's note, the heading reads, Lord Cochrane. The extract continues. The Spanish Girona Gazette, when inserting a letter from Lord Cochrane, January the 1st, 1809, subjoins the following liberal testimony to his noble conduct. This gallant Englishman has been entitled to the admiration and gratitude of this country from the first moment of its political resurrection. His generosity in cooperating with our earliest efforts the encouragement we received from the interest he took with the commanders of the Balearic Islands to induce them to succour us with troops and ammunition can never be erased from our recollection. The extraordinary services which we owe to his indefatigable activity, particularly this city and the adjacent coast, in protecting us from the attempts of the enemy, are too well known to be repeated here. It is a sufficient eulogium upon his character to mention that in the defence of the castle of Trinidad, when the Spanish flag hoisted on the wall, fell into the ditch, under a most dreadful fire from the enemy, his lordship was the only person who, regardless of the shower of balls flying about him, descended into the ditch, returned with the flag, and happily succeeded in placing it where it was. Extract ends. Without any degree of egotism, I may, considering that no praise beyond Lord Collingwood's was ever awarded to me for my defence of Trinidad, be excused from adducing the following remarks, known to be from the pen of Sir Walter Scott. Thus, in consequence of our cooperation, were the French detained a whole month before a neglected and ill-provided fortress, which, without that cooperation, could not have resisted the first attack. The event might have been different had there been a floating army off the coast. The whole of the besieging force might then have been cut off. Of the errors which the English government committed in the conduct of the Spanish war, the neglect of this obvious and most important means of annoying the enemy and advantaging our allies is the most extraordinary. 
five thousand men at the disposal of lord cochrane or sir sidney smith or any of those numerous officers in the british navy who have given undoubted proofs of their genius as well as courage would have rendered more service to the common cause than five times that number on shore because they could at all times choose their points of attack and the enemy never knowing where to expect them would everywhere be in fear and everywhere in reach of the shore in danger lord cochrane during the month of september eighteen o eight with his single ship the imperieuse kept the whole coast of languedoc in alarm destroying the numerous semaphoric telegraphs which were of the utmost consequence to the numerous coasting convoys of the french and not only prevented any troops from being sent from that province into spain but even excited such dismay that two thousand men were withdrawn from figueras to oppose him when they would otherwise have been marching farther into the peninsula the coasting trade was entirely suspended during this alarm yet with such consummate prudence were all lord cochrane's enterprises planned and executed that not one of his men were either killed or hurt except one who was singed in blowing up a battery note, extract ends. for none of the services detailed in the last two chapters did i ever receive praise or reward from the admiralty authorities though from the nature of the services they were necessarily accompanied by the deprivation of all chance of prize money either to myself officers or crew the check opposed to the advance of the french in catalonia as testified by lord collingwood was therefore made at my expense without costing a farthing to the nation beyond the expenditure of ammunition a strange contrast to some of the costly expeditions of the period for less results and one which ought to have secured for me anything but the political animosity with which all my services were regarded End of chapter 17